up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and with me, as always, is Jordan Belinsky. What's up? And Aaron Valauchuk. What's up? Oh, who did the best one? You guys pick, and then we'll switch it next week. <laughs> no, uh, it's always going to be me. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we're just coming off the Switch presentation. We've just had a long discussion about it, what we think, what, we, what we're hearing online. Yeah. Some of us are more not positive than others. Pull. Not the topic of the podcast. Not the no. topic of the podcast, but yeah, just, just to post this in time. But anyway, uh, yeah, so we're back into level level one music, level one tunes, uh, and uh, that's the topic for this month, and it's Jordan's turn to go first, so All right. tell us, Jordan, what's up? Level one, Star Fox on Super Nintendo. Came out in 1999 by... Nintendo? Nintendo. <laughs> Co-developed... I'm going, where are you going with this? Co-developed with a company called Argonaut Games. Oh, that's a cool name. So it probably makes sense when I start talking about the Super FX chip, because mm-hmm. you guys know about that. Yep. Most people do, but uh, for those that don't, it was just an extra chip in the Super Nintendo that added that extra extra power. The Super to Nintendo. Three Ds. Yeah. yeah. It was like well, for making zooming happen. Actually, I don't know. Wasn't if, it like was it that was responsible for Mode Seven effects no, too? That was no. a different thing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's I'm I'm I messed yeah. up. I'm thinking about Mode Seven. Yeah. It's a different thing. Super Effects is like the Super Nintendo version of Blast Processing. processing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because actually, like I'm I'm not an expert, but I did research this. Um, I actually think the Super Effects chip was not what made it 3D. So I'm gonna run through just real quick. Just a bit of backstory on Star Fox. So Argonaut Games was uh, obviously a third-party develop, developer company. They were working on developing 3D technology specifically for video games in the early 90s. And they actually came to Nintendo and said, we can make you 3D games. So of course, Nintendo in the Super Nintendo era was like, all right, show us what you got. So they actually flew out some devs. Um, I think Argonaut Games, they were from England. So flew them out to, I guess, Japan. And uh, they presented their, uh, they had a presentation for Nintendo. Nintendo said, awesome, let's make a game. So um, this guy by the name of Dylan Cuthbert, he was one of the first developers for Argonaut Games to actually make a 3D game for Nintendo. And he developed a game on Game Boy. It's called X. It's a Japanese-only game. Uh, Don't want to go too far into that. So next they said, okay, we have this new idea for a game. And they gave it the code name X. Super Nintendo or SNES Glider. And I guess that was the, the basis of Star Fox. But they could only get it to run at three frames per second. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to play that version of Pilot Wings. Yeah, yeah. So they, could, they, they couldn't get the game to run uh, efficiently. So nobody would buy a three frame per second game. So that's no. where the Super FX chip came in. They, uh, they said to Nintendo for uh, I, like a million dollars or whatever, here's what we have in mind. Develop the Super FX chip so that we can get that extra blast processing to run <laughs> to run this 3D game on I love that they Super came, Nintendo. They came to them and didn't say, we have a problem, we need you to develop, like, we need more horsepower. Yeah. They came to them and said, make us the Super FX chip. <laughs> it's almost, well, it's Nintendo almost, would be, was dabbling in trying to do stuff like that with Mode 7 sort of scaling, because there was yeah. things like F-Zero and, and Super Mario Kart. and Which things. was very much Turtles in time. Trying, Turtles to in do, time. Yeah. trying to do 3D. Yeah. But I almost think it's like they sold Nintendo a car and they paid for it, and they said, now you want this car to run? Well, we're going to need more money now that you've bought the car, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of. And it didn't turn out. Star Fox was like a huge disappointment. Everybody yeah. hated it. It Crashed, spawned bombed. no sequels. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. So just a, a, a neat little side fact about the uh, Super FX chip. Like most projects 
internal projects within Nintendo, everything has a code name, a development name. Um, like the Switch, everyone was calling it the NX yeah. up until recently. X going to give it to you. X going to give it to you. <laughs> so the Super FX chip had uh, its code name. Uh, I'll, I'll, it, it has an abbreviation. So it was originally it was called the Mathematical Argonaut Rotational Input-Output. Which we should still call it because that's great. That is a fantastic name, <laughs> but internally they were just calling it Mario. Mm-hmm. And if you actually open up your Star Fox cart, the chip says Mario on it. It doesn't actually say Super Effects. Oh, really? The um, the box art does. The box art says like featuring the Super Effects chip. chip. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and originally that's what Star Fox was was um, sort of known for. The series actually became like um, sort of a leader in showcasing uh, new new technology, right? Because on N sixty four, I believe that was like the first game to ever come out to have rumble a rumble pack yeah. or the rumble feature came with the, came with the rumble pack that's how I got mine yeah and now I don't I don't think there were any other games on a home console that or any other consoles that had a rumble feature at that time no that was the very the beginning first. of the rumble yeah yeah so they Star actually Fox. talked about that in the switch presentation I'm surprised you didn't catch that well <laughs> I, I, I did I did they were um, talking about innovations yeah. and yeah um, and and then the, uh, the the game we're talking about the version on Super Nintendo that was uh, innovating with one of the first I, I can't say it was the first 3D game because that I don't know. I know there was the one on the Game Boy that I'm they sure developed. there was arcade stuff. Yeah, that too. So, but this was definitely uh, you know a leader in that aspect for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. So going into the level itself, level one, Corneria. Most people know um, this level. The yeah, the soundtrack was composed by Hajime Hirosawa. Oh, that was good. Mm-hmm. Well done. <laughs> I wrote it down in uh, what phonetically. You, phonetically, uh, yeah. good so job. Like, <laughs> good job. That's <laughs> actually I, smart. I should start doing that. <laughs> well, you know, and I probably wrote it uh, phonetically wrong, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounded really good. We cool. need a consultant. We need to. We, we need. need to, I need. I'm gonna. Call, I'm gonna start calling my friend uh, um, Hero. Yeah. There's a guy I went to school with, uh, Hiro Yuki, and he's from Japan, and we became good friends in school. I'm going to just start yeah. calling him and be like, all right, here's That's the three it. names. Give me the pronunciation. Yeah. Get a consultant on the show. <laughs> and we won't even say it. Just record him saying it, and then we can play it back. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm probably just going to text him and be like, record your voice and send this back to me. Which would be great, because then we should refer that, like, reference that name a ton of times during the podcast, and, and every time we say it, it just, like, bleeps us out with the actual yeah. Yeah. Overlay with his voice. Yeah. That's right. Um... The interesting thing about uh, Hirasawa was that this was like the main, like one of the only games he composed. Oh, really? Um, because uh, I looked at his library of games and it was like, this was the first big hit that he worked on with Nintendo. And then he left the company after. Oh, wow. So I noticed that uh, I was I was listening through the different versions of Corneria theme throughout the series. And it's different. It's very different on the N64. I don't think it's the same at all. Hmm. Um and, and a lot of that it has to do with the fact that the, the composer on Super Nintendo left. So his entire soundtrack, um, well, they had Koji Kondo and another composer working on the rest of the series going forward. So it would make sense that they would continue on with the Koji Kondo versions of these new songs yeah. uh, versus what they came up with on mm. Super Nintendo. But I love the Corneria theme on, on the Super Nintendo version. I think that's my favorite Star Fox song in the whole series. It's great, yeah. It is pretty good. You know, I've never played the original Star Fox. Ever. No? I, I've no. played it, but I don't own it. Uh, yeah, my, I, my introduction to the series was Star Fox 64. Well, so. and what, uh, one time I was with my friends and I was like, you know, the first Star Fox, the one on 64, and my friend like shot me this <laughs> evil glance. Yeah, He's like, that's not the first one. Well, and I was like, sorry, well, <laughs> I forgot about the Super Nintendo. You're like those Zelda people who think that Ocarina of Time was the first. Well, <laughs> I, and out. it's funny because like I say it like that. Yeah. I, I'll say... 
like I'll just say Zelda and Steph knows what I'm talking about, yeah. right? She like my girlfriend will know she's like, oh, he means Ocarina. But yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> like you, when I talk about Metal Gear, I'm not talking about solid. Yeah, you're talking about Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo yeah. version. Yeah. Well, um, you guys know what Star Fox on Super Nintendo looks like. Oh, what, yeah. Do, do you think that holds up today? Like pixel graphics, I find they hold up a lot better than early like N64 graphics, yeah. but Star Fox kind of falls in the middle. Because it's almost like pixel 3D yeah. in a way, where it's it's doing polygons, but they're so low resolution that yeah. they're yeah. pixelated, right? Well, when I first saw Star Fox, I didn't like it because I didn't understand that this was early 3D. I just like, why are there a bunch of ugly triangles and well, squares <laughs> floating around? I know that like in arcades actually, and this might be, might be before Star Fox, but there was... Um, uh, Star Wars games, like those big you're talking about cabinet the vector, games. You're vector talking about the vector yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, that were vector, so looks sort of Star Foxy. Yeah, those um, those came out way earlier than way Star Way earlier, Fox. so yeah. um, it, it kind of, I never played those, but like when I go back and look at it, but in terms of holding up, I don't know. Like you never played those because those Star Wars cabinets with the vector graphics that totally holds up today. <laughs> I love it? that game. Okay. Yeah. Well, and there's the the home console, the Vectrex, which yeah. was specialized in those graphics. And it kind of puts me like when I look at Star Fox in like the original. Now it puts me in mind of like the Virtual Boy and stuff like that. Almost yeah. like that sort of 3D <laughs> where it's like that. We were the the baby steps of 3D. You well, know what I mean? And there was actually going to be a Star Fox game on the Virtual Boy, but it got canceled. Yeah, when the Virtual not, Boy died not after surprisingly. Yeah. Um, but let's let's listen to some Corneria music, and then we'll come back and chat a bit more. So Star Fox 1993, here's the theme to Corneria. So uh, 
Corneria's in the first Star Fox game. I think most Star Fox games, they all start off with Corneria. Um, I haven't played the um, like Star Fox Adventures or anything like that, but all the <laughs> all the like the, the main I staples have. in the series, like SNES, N64, and now the one on Wii U, you all start on Corneria. It's, it's your home base. Um, and on the Super Nintendo version, you're actually defending it as you make your way to Planet Venom, where you're going to fight Andros. Yeah. You know, it's funny about Star Fox is they come full circle because the new one looks just like, you know, triangles and, you know, really <laughs> yeah. blocky well, it, circles it, and things like that. Funny because they, they didn't actually try to model the ships to be any more futuristic. They kind of like they retain just, a lot that, of that. That R-Wing has never changed model. shape. It's like no. harsh yeah. angles that you could cut yourself on. Yeah. yeah. Um, That's because it's so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I was I actually tried to buy the new Star, um, Star Fox game last um, week. Yeah. Okay. Um, because my thing with it was after all the reviews and everything I've seen, um, didn't look worth my money. Yeah. But it actually had a price drop here in Canada, at least. Okay. And I actually found it at, at uh, a store for half price. And I oh, went to the counter deal. and they said it was sold out. But then I went and looked online and a lot of websites had it listed for half price. So since I couldn't get to play it before this episode, you know, to have a bit more of a comparison, um, I watched some videos online and they actually do take a snippet of the Corneria theme from Super Nintendo and sort of like inject it into the new updated version. But uh, much like all the other Star Fox games, it's sort of, um, you know, you start on Corneria defending your home base, make your way to Planet Venom to fight Andros. And actually, that's one of the things that sort of disappointed me with the new Star Fox Zero was that um, they just, they're retelling the same story from N64 and then Star Fox on the 3DS or the DS. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like they just keep doing the same game. Well, it's, yeah, it's their, you know, <laughs> well, that 64 one. Go ahead. Oh, they tried to do something different, and we got Star Fox Adventures. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, and yeah. I think that's why. It's like, okay, obviously people didn't like this, so but, let's go back. But when I want something different, like, I just mean story-wise, because yeah. the game can can be, can play out exactly the same, but, I mean, there's so much backstory in Star Fox for such a simple idea, and yet every game we get the same story. Like, there's this huge backstory, and this is actually what I had hoped when I heard the name Star Fox Zero, making it sound like a prequel. I had really hoped that it was going to involve James McClellan who is Star Fox's dad. And we know that there's this backstory for even as far back as the first game that um, the original team was James McLeod, Peppy Hare, who's now with Star Fox, and uh, Pigma. Pigs, And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> on a mission, they find um, it's found that uh, Pigma betrays uh, Star Fox's dad, yeah. and that leads to the cause his of his death. death. Yeah. And I'm like... That would be an amazing game. Like, that's true. Yeah, that would be super cool. Maybe, maybe you play as James, or maybe not. Maybe that's just part of the story. And then it, no, you should and, totally play. As yeah, James. and then and then you sort of like start off on Star Fox on his his first missions. You yeah. know, something like that would be really cool. That would be cool. Um, and that, that's pretty much it. I just had. So if, go ahead. I was just gonna say, so Nintendo, if you're listening, and I know you're listening because you're one of our our best listeners. <laughs> yeah. Is make that game. Make, make the that prequel. Yeah. 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 Make the prequel. Yeah. They, they, uh, I, I feel like they lost lost an opportunity with that. It was with yeah, zero. for sure. Well, and they kind of. I think it was. Um, I think with zero two, probably why part of the reason something like that, maybe not that exactly, but something like that didn't happen, is Star Fox Zero was like basically started development before the Wii U was launched. Right, like it was like this whole idea of play with the game, like steer with the gamepad, look at the TV kind of at the same time, and so I think they spent so much time in the development of like the, a new control system and a new thing that they story was kind of pushed secondary. So, well, that's an interesting point. Cause that was actually what happened with the N64 version. 
there was Star Fox 2 on Super Nintendo, yeah. and it actually was finished. You can play the game. You can buy the reproduction cards. Like, the game is finished, yeah. but it got leaked online because they um, Miyamoto decided to scrap it because he wanted to do more, like, of a true 3D effect yeah. with the N64. And I think that's kind of, it's, I think, for Miyamoto, maybe, and <laughs> be it, you know, for me to speak for Miyamoto, but... Um, mm -hmm. I think he kind of sees it as a tech demo game. Yeah. You know, he kind of sees it as this is the game we're going to use to show off the cool new thing about this console. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, he did that with Super Mario 64, which I talked about last week. But I think for Star Fox 2, he wanted it to be like, look at look at this great new thing. Look what we can do. With, look what we yeah. can do. Exactly. So, And I think that's where it really shines. But they dropped the ball with the Wii U. I've, yeah. I heard the worst. I don't know. Like, I can't even pass judgment on that game. Like, I've only, I haven't heard a lot of positive things, but until I play it. Well, I've heard a lot of positive things, but the controls were apparently so bad that it, it overshadows stuff, yeah. everything yeah, about it. There's a good game yeah, in there insane. somewhere. Yeah, and if the controls are that bad that it ruins the whole game, that, that says Maybe a lot. one day they'll patch it. And they'll that's why regular that's why I was on really the switch. I was hoping on the switch, yeah. that's what I was hoping for. I'd hope well, and it might, you know, and like, it's still totally could. possible. Well, I mean, you look at all like we even we were talking, you look at all the other we like they're taking the cream of the crop as far as the Wii U is concerned. And they're sort of re-releasing the switch saying like, <laughs> have a second chance. Yeah, so, exactly. Star Fox have Zero maybe life. deserves its second Star Fox chance. Zero Deluxe. Yeah, that's what yeah. we'll get. Yeah. Star Fox rock. Zero Point One. <laughs> I'm just going to end with uh my introduction to Star Fox because oh, okay. it's on a personal note here. Yeah. Um, first time I had ever come come across Star Fox was actually eating a box of uh, <laughs> Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. <gasps> do you uh, have, do you have the same Aaron history just had as a I do? Hit. You keep going, but I'm, okay. Um, so it's like a cocaine hit. <laughs> <laughs> early '90s Kellogg's in all a lot of their cereals were releasing these like collector baseball style cards. And, oh, okay. uh, and you would open up the box and you'd find a card. And so you would get like, there would be a picture of Mario and, um, it would be like that Mario on the back. And well, stuff. Mario <laughs> would be like the exclusive to like say lucky card. charms or something. Oh, right? Okay. So you'd one of those flip things, it, yeah. flip the card on the backside and there would be a tip on like the game. So oh, super Mario to world, like to, to, to make Yoshi fly, eat a blue turtle shell, you know, like it would say something like that. Yeah. And as a kid, like as a, a young kid reading that, you're like, that's a great tip. <laughs> Nowadays it's like, well, no, that's just the basics of Mario. Yeah. That was the internet. That was pretty yeah, internet. That, that yeah. was, no, that was the internet. That they was built, the, internet. They built the internet off of like <laughs> off cards that came cards. in cereals. That's funny. So my introduction to Star Fox um, was in Frosted Flakes. I pulled out <laughs> Star Fox or Fox McCloud, I should say. His name is not Star Fox. His name is Fox McCloud. <laughs> and I, I'm like, who is Fox McCloud? And flipped it on the backside. And it actually said, uh, I, I wrote it down here. Because I actually, I, I Googled this because I'm like, I'm never going to remember what the backside said. But you I know don't have was, that laminated no. somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I still had it. Yeah. Um, so because it was Frosted Flakes, it says, Tony's Tips. Fly through the rings to repair your shield or get power-ups. There you oh, go. So again, that's just a good tip, Tony. It's the top ba Tony tip. Basic knowledge hey, to a Star Fox fan. <laughs> and on, the, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to add to that is that, um, like, did that happen to you? It, Do you remember it this? Did, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing: is next time you guys are at my place, take a look at my NES. It okay. is covered in stickers. Oh yeah, yeah. And all these stickers came from cereal. Yeah. So and and like Fruit Loops and stuff like that, or, or Corn Pops is more likely what I was eating. But oh, uh, destroy the roof of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was Captain Crunch. Yeah. yeah but Corn Pops is bad too. <laughs> I still eat Corn Pops today. Uh, but the uh, my, like. It's the entire top of my Nintendo is covered with these cereal stickers and they're all like there's some's Tony the Tiger, Toucan Sam, Snap, Crackle and Pop. Yeah. And then Link and Yoshi and um, also 
a Fox and Samus maybe. No, there's no, no Samus sticker, okay. but I do have like Fox and Falco and, and it was like, <laughs> and they were actually like puppet versions of them, like photographs oh, of weird. like these puppet versions. It look, at least it looks like puppet versions of them on these stickers, but they're still on my NES. So I, oh, I should go back and like, that's cool. I'm going to take I, a I, picture. I'll take a picture and we can post it to the Twitter. Sure. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. Well, you yeah. totally should do that. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, and just a quick recommendation. Uh, I like, I said, his name isn't Star Fox, it's Fox McCloud. Go on YouTube <laughs> and watch this show called A Fox in Space. It's, um, it's a fan project. It's based off Star Fox and it's hilarious, awesome writing, great animation. That's all I'm going to say. Check it out. Right on. Cool. Right. I can't let you do that, Star Fox. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Aaron, on to you, buddy. All right. I don't have, like, my game is not as iconic as Star Fox. <laughs> We're going to have much less to say about my game because no. this is not like we've talked about. <laughs> we've talked about. We can talk about the theme song of <laughs> yes, your game yeah, for can. the whole episode. But we've talked about like Mario 64 and Doom and Star Fox and these big names. And this is not a big name. We're going back to uh, 1990 on the NES. And this game is a sequel. This game has a great title. It is called Skate or Die to the Search for Double Trouble. Awesome. awesome. That's a great title. <laughs> it is a great title. It's such a 90s title. <laughs> <laughs> the Search for Double Trouble. Exactly. And the uh, the reason it's called that is because uh, in the story of the game, and a weird thing, first let me set this up, is that this is a sequel. The first Skater Die on the NES was essentially California games, if you know what the game California games is. It's there's sort of like a hub world, and then there's all these events, and you just kind of a and, mini game collection. Yeah, a mini almost, game collection. You, yeah. you compete in things. You go, you go on the half pipe. You go and you do like the high jump competition. You go do there's a joust. Like, there's joust. I guess the current joust freestyle. Kind of the current equivalent for any young people would be Mario and Sonic. <laughs> yeah, Mario and Sonic Olympic games, games. Right? but all skateboarding theme because this was 1990 and yeah. skateboarding was it. It was the so yeah. cool thing. It was the cool <laughs> kids. All the cool rad kids were doing. Exactly. And what, what was better than playing skateboarding games on the NES? Cause that was, there's <laughs> nothing more late eighties, early nineties than that. Nope. So skater die two, that was like a, a mini game sport compilation collection, but skater die two was different. It was, uh, it was an adventure game, which was really bizarre compared to, it's like, always weird when games do that. Like one eighty. Yeah. When they're like the first one is this genre. And then the second one's this genre. And you're like, Whoa. <laughs> and they had some of the same characters. Like in the first game you had like Rodney who ran the, uh, the skate, skate shop. shop. Yeah. And he'd like, he, he would send you out in the things and you'd actually in the pool joust, you'd compete against his son, Lester. It's funny because in, um, in skater die one, he kind of looks like Rodney Dangerfield with a mohawk. <laughs> he, he does. <laughs> he totally does. And his name's Rodney. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was probably on purpose. They probably yeah. referenced a picture of Rodney. Dangerfield. Well, he had those big, like bulging eyes, right? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, just looking at you. It's scary. <laughs> That's great. They brought back those characters for Skater Die too, but they like help you. Um, Rodney sells you skateboards and Lester sells you fast food to increase your health. But the idea behind this game is that you're this skate kid and you're part of this skate crowd and you're like the good guy skateboarders. And there's like also the bad gang of skateboarders led by a guy, a bald guy named Ice Pick. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is that uh, you're, you guys are skating and they're like arguing with ice pick and something goes wrong. You kill the mayor's wife's pet poodle. Oh, I, she I think I remember that. You, you, the main character. does. Yeah. You, oh. you, it's like, you know, you're not looking where he's going. He runs oh, okay. over the poodle. And so <laughs> the mayor's wife decides to ban skateboarding from the town. Like he, she pressures the mayor oh, no. and skateboarding is banned. And so in the first level, what you actually do is you have to go through the streets 
find the mayor's wife, and then fight her to the death, apparently. <laughs> wow. And <laughs> That's what, hard. Once you beat her, like, skateboarding you, isn't banned, but what happens is that the mayor decides to destroy the town's halfpipe. So you said you're the good skater? You're the and good you, skater. <laughs> and you murder the mayor's it's, wife? It's all about tood, right? Yeah. So there are no good skaters. No, I guess. Varying degrees of, of bad. attitude, bad yeah. skaters. Even though, like, your, your gang is pretty straight-laced. Like, the main character's got a girlfriend named uh, CJ who looks like Ariel. The oh, yeah, mermaid. red hair. That's yeah. all I remember is the red hair, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so what happens is after the, the, uh, the halfpipe is destroyed, they decide to... Uh, they, because they didn't have a permit. That was the thing. So what you have to do for the rest of the game is, like, you have to get a job, collect money to buy a permit, and then you have to, like... The permit gets blown away in the wind. It gets like shredded by a fan and blown away in the wind. You have to like go collect those parts. You have to raise money. So the whole point is to build a new half pipe. And the half such pipe. Such a funny story. It's a dumb, it's, it's such it's a silly. Such a, it's like, it's kind of like the story of like a skater growing up and like learning yeah. about how, what the real world is like. Yeah. Like you got to get a job and earn money this, and get a this permit. Kind of, it That's is life. that. Like there's a, there's a level where you take a delivery job at the mall and it's basically you skating, skateboarding from parody store to parody store to earn tips That's so hilarious. you can uh, this buy, have, buy the permit. This could have been a movie in the 90s or the late 80s. <laughs> yep, it could totally. still be a movie. I would, I would watch The Search for Double Trouble, the movie. <laughs> but <laughs> so, and, and then, so what, what happens is, is you, in the end, when you win the game, you build this new half pipe and it's called Double Trouble because it's this half pipe and in the middle of it, it's got this sort of like little peak that comes to a point so you can like go off it and like do tricks and like land on the other side. So it's this almost like Two half pipes. Yeah, it's one of those double half pipes. Yeah, double double trouble. Yeah, and they the developers are also smart because even though it fits into the story that you you build this thing, you earn it, and then you can actually skate on the half pipe and do tricks for points and stuff like that at the end. They didn't like force you to beat the game to play it. It is unlocked from the beginning, so fortunately you can skate on double trouble without having to like go through that entire adventure game, which is one of the few. NES games that I beat as a kid as well. So. Does it have a save feature? There's no save feature. So you would have to beat the whole game yep. just to play the pipe. <laughs> That's but, but probably they, they, why. <laughs> and they probably made it a last minute change. It's funny because I had played one and two as a kid and I was actually disappointed with two because it was such a change from what I was used to. Mm. And I didn't know what Double Trouble was until yesterday you told me. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's a oh, pipe. Really? And I was like, oh, I thought Double Trouble was like a person because, you know, guys like, like what do you say? Ice Pick. Ice and, Pick is Well, the I guy. thought it was the name of the gang. No. The Ice Pick's gang was going to be Double Trouble. Yeah. yeah. The search for Double Trouble and Double Trouble is the pipe. Well, that pipe for me was the best part because I'd never understood the story. I yeah. never got past level one, so. Well, that's the thing is like, is it like hidden in there? Hard too? It is hard. It is really hard because I mean, you're skateboarding, so you always have momentum. You basically, you push off and then you have momentum and it's hard to stop and it's hard to turn and you earn tricks. You can actually like buy tricks. So at first you can't like, Stop sells, or turn. Who sells you tricks? I think it's uh, I think it's Rodney sells you tricks. Okay, so <laughs> I was hoping it was a fun third character. And you have weapons, <laughs> like you actually have a spray can of paint, and you so you skate around. You can like shoot the bad skaters with your spray can, and you can like stomp on things. And it's it's a tough game to play, but it's a quality game. It's actually quite a fun game. Like uh, it was uh, developed by Electronic Arts, so it's an okay. early it's an early EA game here. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I thought it was. Um Ultra, but Ultra did the first one, right? I think, I, I don't know. Was Ultra involved in the first one? They may have been. I think so. But this one was, yeah, this one was EA. Hmm. I don't think Ultra appears on, on this That's one a, at all. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not doubting you. I'm just... But, because the same series, but on a by a different developer. But there's, uh, that's Ultra the thing published is, the first one. Okay. But it uh, developed was still Electronic Arts and Konami. 
cool. on the first. And it's and it's funny too because maybe that's I, I kind of thought maybe that's why there's such a big disconnect between the first one and the second one is yeah. because the development team changed quite a bit probably between uh, one and two. Cool. But uh, uh, I have like I said I have very very few notes here. The only note I have says no way, dude, and I only wrote that <laughs> down. Because this game is one of the reasons it's well known is because it was one of the first games to uh, uh, like really generously use voice sampling in the game. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> and that was that was crazy at the time. Like you didn't see a lot of games that actually had synthesized voice in the game, and it had a ton of like stupid little clips. Like no way, dude. Because this is NES era, right? This is NES yeah, era. Yeah. So, but and and it had so it had a bunch like before and after each level there would be like a little sort of saying or something like that but the best part of the voice sample and Jordan knows what I'm talking oh, about yeah. was the main theme song <laughs> yeah. which had this like this cut together thing where there was a guy and he's just saying skate or die he's like skate or die skate, skate or die 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 die, die. <laughs> and it's hilarious and I love that song it's a shame that we're actually talking about level 1 and not, and not, and not the theme. theme song though this game has really solid music throughout. I, I a lot of uh, fun memories. The of whole her. soundtrack is so yeah, good. Yeah, the whole on this. soundtrack. Is there is, a name for level one? Level one is got. It's just called level one. The okay. streets. The streets. The streets. All right. Because that's the first level where you you have to go through the streets, find the mayor's wife, and murder. So. <laughs> Because well, you're with, the with, good your, with your can of spray paint. Because you're the good kids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you murder. Oh my God, that's a horrific death. Yeah, you shoot her with her <laughs> can of spray paint until she's dead. <laughs> Long and painful. Death by and asphyxiation. The music for this game was composed by a guy who didn't really turn up in a lot of other games. Like I don't think he has a very large library, but his name is uh, Rob Hubbard. And I have to enunciate Rob Hubbard, so you don't think I'm talking about L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The founder he, of Scientology. He did a that lot would of be a funny. <laughs> he did a lot of early, um, like Commodore, yeah. um, computer type music stuff. He's not one of those guys who like stuck around in the industry and is still composing music today. I don't no, think I think so. he did the original Commando, or not Commando, um, Bionic Commando. No. Well, it might have been I, Commando. I, it might have been Commando because I mean, if I'd seen Bionic Commando in his biography, I would have remembered that. Not the or Nintendo wrote it down version, because I didn't write down anything except for "No Way, Dude." So you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of, because of the soundtrack to this game, I've actually looked him up, and that's mm -hmm. I'm familiar with. Uh, yeah, not a lot on Nintendo. It was all mostly early computer stuff. Yeah. So. But I, I mean, if you're a fan of like. Uh, Good rockin' NES chiptune style stuff. I recommend checking out this whole soundtrack. Absolutely, it is it is that good. So we're gonna listen to uh, Level One: The Streets from Skater Die to The Search for Double Trouble.
talent, and the first game had a good soundtrack too, but not just, as memorable. Skater Die Two is where they like they just cranked up the like the the, the skate rock yeah. surf culture kind of vibe. One was good, but I think also the soundtrack they were almost like like really short loops. They weren't yeah. like like it didn't have a ton of instrumentation. It was simple but good. But Skater Die Two, I think, where they sort of well. Skater Die 2, every song is a hit. Skater Die 1, there's like one or two songs that are amazing, and the rest are, like you said, kind of short loops. Mm-hmm. But both both were great games. I'm actually kind of sad that even during the big skate, um, the skateboarding boom when Tony Hawk game became like, everything the was, game. yeah, it became the game, and there were clones and imitators and stuff like that. Why the hell did Electronic Arts not resurrect Skater Die? Well, yeah. they did skate. They did skate, which, but which is what an the hell? Awesome game. Skate or die. Like it was right <laughs> in front of them. Such yeah. a better name. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they just didn't think it would like it, like not enough people. And hell, I would love to have another skateboarding adventure game. Yeah. So yeah. skateboard, skate or die. Yeah. It could still happen. Yeah. So my only like skate or die story is actually comes from when we were over at your house one time. And I think we played the original. I don't think we played two. Um, we might've played both, but all I remember was you guys brought it out and you were like, oh yeah, this game's awesome. And I was like, oh, okay, well I've never heard of it, but let's give it a go. And you're like, you guys both played it. You played like the half pipe level, I think a couple times. And you were just like, both of you are just like total muscle memory. Like, oh, 1080, blah, 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 blah. And uh, you hand me the controller. I couldn't even get up the half pipe. Like, oh my God. <laughs> it is, it's I, hard. I was like one of my most embarrassing like gaming moments of all time because it was I was atrocious at that game. You know, I always found that like in these games, it was really hard to do momentum and turning and things like half pipes because I think about other games that did half pipes. Skater Die 1, Skater Die 2 both did half pipes and California Games did half pipes. Yeah. And all of those games are notoriously hard. The half pipe is like the worst event to actually do. Oh, so, so you guys gave me the hardest thing to start with. Well, and the other Thanks thing too is in, in <laughs> Skater Die 1, and um, I actually, you could play most levels and a lot of them were like sort of like downward scrolling levels. You start at the top of the screen and you would travel downwards and I had to switch. There was normal foot and goofy foot and, and goofy foot basically reversed left and right. So pushing, it was like, you know, sort of like flight controls almost where you push one way and it's going the other way. Go like the you're opposite. pivoting an yeah. axis, right? So I had to switch it to goofy foot. My brothers always kept it on normal and it baffled me because if I tried oh. to play on normal, it was a mess. That's how it's I kind of funny how your brain normal. breaks on that yeah. stuff, right? You played normal? Yeah, I played normal too. Um, Couldn't do it. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, well, but it's just like real life, right? Like yeah. snowboarding. Like if I try and ride normal, I can't, I just fall. Yeah. But if I ride goofy, I'm good all day. Yeah. And it's just like, that's the way your brain is wired. You can't, you cannot learn the other way. Exactly. You either are one way or you are the other way. It's like people who play like flight sims and stuff like with inverse controls, like, I well, I have it. to. I have to play like if I'm playing or a flight Halo. game, I yeah. have to basically set up my controllers that day. So like pushing like up flights down. Yeah, you know that screws with me though. I can't do it. I it, it, that you know the first thing I do to this day when I play a PC game is invert Y axis controls. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. yeah, even Star Fox had that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. maybe whatever you're, Mike's talking about <laughs> has inverse controls too. No, not really. <laughs> um, the only real quick, the only um, the only personal story I have with uh, Skater Die is with the original one, um, because I didn't have a Super Nintendo yet, and I played I played Nintendo for a long time. My brother and I, when we would play Skater Die, um, on the there's, you have to register your characters. So depending on how many players you you have, if it's two players, well, what we would do is we go to the registry board. We talk to Rodney Dangerfield, and we'd create <laughs> we would create up to ten characters. <laughs> and what we would do is we would name each and every character. 
um, based off of a game we wish we were playing instead of Skate or Die. So we would put like, we would put like. That's so sad. Yeah, oh, it was pathetic. But in my mind, it didn't, it, it seemed okay at the time. So so my brother and I, we'd have like 10 characters and it would be like Scorpion, Sub-Zero, Reptile, <laughs> Noob Saibot, Smoke. And it's like, yeah, we didn't have a Super Nintendo yet, but we heard there's this game called Mortal Kombat. So <laughs> That's hilarious. Especially that, that really because funny. even though I played a lot of the original Skate or Die, we never did like the name registration. The thing no. is, is you could you could do that and play through the whole game, all the events, or you could go to practice mode and just select individual events. Yeah. We that's all we ever did. You just just practice mode, just individual events. That way we could skip the stupid events that we hated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and the only reason we ever put our names in was, like I said, to pretend we were playing something yeah. else. And we <laughs> so all, funny. And the thing is, playing that game too is that a lot of it was uh, a lot of it. It's, since it's a multiplayer game, a lot of it is like you you have a turn, I have a turn, and we yeah. give points kind of stuff. But a few of the events, uh, notably the downhill jam, was two players at the same time, yeah. and you could actually, it was kind of like road rash. You'd skate downhill, and you could like punch and kick the other player Did and you try and knock chains? them off. No chains, oh, just punch That was the kick. best part about road rash. That's a game I want to <laughs> talk about, but it doesn't really have significant music, <laughs> but oh my god, that That's game. too bad. And the other great multiplayer one was uh, the pool joust, which the is when joust. you're in a big empty pool and every, you, you each have like a paddle, like a big like double-handed oh, yeah. oar kind of thing. And like kind and of like the, Amer- uh, what was that? American, American Gladiators. Gladiators. That's yeah. the one? <laughs> so you skate through this pool and you almost do passes at each other because you can like skate and you can ride the lip or you can like jump up and yeah. then land back in the pool. That's and so the object cool. is to pass by each other and hit your... Uh, button to use your paddle at the right and, time and knock the other guy off. And it's great when you knock somebody over because your guy like lands on the end and he does like a little 8-bit laugh where yeah. he just bobs up and down. And, and he like spins the paddle in his yeah. hand and stuff like that. It's so great. Like, that would be, so, that would be such the, a great TV show like now, like a real life oh, yeah. show. That'd yeah. be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so next time we're, we fire up the NES, we're going to play some pool joust for sure. All right. Sounds good. Which we probably did. That's probably what you're talking about. No, when we no, it was just like a regular half fight, but I couldn't even do it. So pool just, I will lose. I, I promise you. <laughs> anyway, uh, I will get into my game. And my game is the uh, super famous, super popular. I've talked about it once before uh, in our creepy, creepy crawly Halloween episode. Uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. And uh, technically, I guess Pokemon doesn't have levels. It has more <laughs> call that areas or worlds. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting ahead of the curve here. Uh, more areas or worlds, but um, Pallet Town is what I would call level one. of. Uh, it's the beginning of the game. It's the very beginning of the game. There's no way to get around it. It's always the beginning of the game, so that's kind of why I feel you can, you can pick it. Um, developed, obviously, by Game Freak and published by Nintendo. In 1998 in North America, it was two years earlier in Japan that I didn't know, but uh, so it had, it had quite a head of steam in front of it before it got to North America. And uh, Junchi, Junchi Mas, Masueda. Oh, this is why we need uh, think, your friend Masuda. Yeah. Sorry, Masuda. <laughs> Junchi Masuda. Yeah, I know. I needed the worst. I'm, I'm not, I won't disparage that. Uh, so, yeah, Pokemon Red and Blue. Everybody knows it. Uh, but I actually went in uh, yesterday, did a little bit of research. Uh, the coolest music thing I could find um, was that the uh, soundtrack was actually composed on a Commodore Amiga which only features PCM sample playback and then converted to the Game Boy with a program that the, compu- the composer had written. So wow. he composed it entirely on a different thing and then just used the translation program to make all the music. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So that is pretty cool. Um, and then he used uh, all four sound channels on the Game Boy to create the melody and the sound effect of the Pokemon. Um, so like the uh, the cries that every every Pokemon has its own like distinct sound, which and you can which, now hear. Yeah, I was going to say, like it, they're familiar to everybody now, the original cries, yeah. because they're in Go. Yeah, and the, and the crazy thing is, so 
like if you had asked me to like pick out a Pokemon, not a chance. But as soon as I started playing Pokemon Go, I would I I started quizzing Steph, like because I noticed like, that she could this? pick them up yeah. and she could do it. She like knew all of them. I was like blown away. You mean she could identify them by their the Pokemon by the sound? I was like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, and then um, oh yeah, and then even though it's not the track I'm talking about, the the opening track. So that yeah. everyone knows. Um, I know that from Smash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um. It's called Monster, and uh, he built it thinking about like if the Pokemon were actually battling, and um, he used just white noise to make the the drum sounds, mm-hmm. which are like you can't have that song without the drum sounds. Yeah. So uh, to imitate like a snare drum. So um, let's go into the music, and then I'm going to go into all this other fun stuff. So we'll jump straight in, and uh, yeah. So this is the Pallet Town from Pokemon Red. So what we're going to talk about now is like the kind of the development of Game Freak and of Pokemon and like kind of its history, which I didn't know and I found very interesting. So Game Freak uh, was started by one guy primarily and then he brought his friend in. So Satoshi Tajiri and Ken Sugimori. Sugimori. Yeah. uh, Were the two guys. So it actually started out as a video game magazine that uh, that satoshi like started out doing it just because he loved games and uh i guess they said like he kind of had a rough childhood like he wasn't uh he wasn't really good in school had a really hard time but he loved games yeah. that it was sounds one like thing. a magazine game freak yeah. yeah exactly and uh and uh then he brought his buddy ken in uh who uh was an illustrator and uh like just an artist and he brought him in to like kind of improve on the magazine and and the first, the first one, he like literally like made it and took it to like a photocopy place and just like made a bunch of copies mm-hmm. and it just got really popular like in his school and it grew and it grew and it grew, and um, somewhere along the line he decided that just talking and writing about games was enough. He wanted to make a game, and I guess uh, young Satoshi was a super avid bug collector when he was a kid, and uh, he wanted to kind of make a game that involves some aspect of bug collection and. He uh, one day he was like, you know, walking around and he saw two kids playing with the link cable, playing like the Tetris, um, the Tetris like attack game with the link cable on a Game Boy. And he's like, wouldn't it be cool if you could like trade stuff across that link cable? Trading bugs and trading bugs. Yeah. His idea was like kind of two bugs walking across the wire kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) in Japan, maybe. I don't know. Uh, But um, so he was like, that was kind of the the inception of the idea. And he wanted to. 
he wanted to create this game. So he started, you know, started the process of converting this magazine company into a game development place. It's funny, I just wanted to say, like, that is the most innovative use of the link cable that ever happened on the Game Boy, which was totally underutilized. Right? Well, exactly, right. right? And that's why it was like kind of a cool idea. So they got this company together, got this idea together, and brought it to Nintendo. Mm -hmm. And Nintendo looked at it, and they were like, that sounds cool, but that sounds really hard. And I don't know if your team, who has never made a game before, is equipped to do this. But actually, Miyamoto was in that meeting and stood up and said, I think we should give him a chance and Miyamoto at the time and still carried enough weight to for the rest of the Nintendo execs to be like all right we'll give him a chance so they threw it to them say go ahead try and make this game they make the game the original team this is the one that blew me away the most the original team was nine people they created all the monsters all the sound effects all the illustration everything with nine guys and I was wow. like holy smokes that's crazy um so yeah, so Miyamoto was there. He was kind of helping him along in the process, but basically, like, it was like Satoshi, like, this was his passion project, right? Mm -hmm. This is the thing he wanted to do more than anything else. And he just was driving it forward, even though they just couldn't do it. Like, there wasn't enough experience. They didn't have enough time, enough money, you know, to build this epic thing that no one else had ever done before, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to break new ground. So do you know, do you know if they pitched the idea with bugs in mind or if they had already moved yeah, on? No, to they had already talked about like monster, like, well, so it was always like pocket monsters. It went through a bunch of different names okay. early on that it wasn't Pokemon. It was like, there was like different mons and stuff like that, but it was little monsters. So I mean, like Caterpie I'm, was like the first one ever. Yeah, designed. probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when they presented to Nintendo for yeah, the first time, it was yeah. already monsters. Okay. So, and they already had like a lot of the designs and stuff like that. Cool. And, um, so basically they ran out of steam and they had to put the game on hold. Satoshi said, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say it's never going to happen, but right now, like, you know, I need to, I need to give my people money so they can feed their families. Like these people, like a lot of the people like near the end were working for no salary. Mm -hmm. Like they were just working because they believed in it. But you know, he said enough's enough. We got to put it aside. But Miyamoto was always there kind of in the background going like, I think these guys have what it takes. They're just, the situation isn't right. Mm -hmm. So the, the company amazingly didn't go under. It still stayed alive and they kind of were just developing for other people. And Miyamoto kept, you know, kept throwing them a few bones every once in a while. And one of the bones he threw them was uh, the game called Yoshi or Yoshi's Egg. If, if anyone remembers that game, it was like a puzzle game. Yeah. Oh, Yoshi. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Yoshi, yeah. Yoshi or Yoshi's egg, depending on where region or what whatever. Region you're yeah. In. Exactly. Yeah. And that game was a smash hit Yeah, and money just came flooding in. And as soon as that money came flooding in, you know, still, she said, this is it. This is my chance. I'm going to make it. And so this is like years later and he was, he did it and he pushed it through and we got Pokemon. That's and it's crazy. funny cuz you said Pokemon actually came out quite a bit earlier in Japan and it was even though this a couple was like years, yeah. you know early days there wasn't a lot of like you know online buzz there's still a lot of magazines stuff like that. It's like I remember anticipating Pokemon the game. Yeah. Like and knowing it was big. They marketed the hell out of it and it's funny cuz it was one of those things that unless you were a gamer you had not heard of it. Yeah. But it was kind of like in in these small gaming circles like yeah. Pokemon is oh, coming. Oh. It's going to be big. <laughs> we got to play Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. And it was uh and it, that was one of the things, right? Was it hit and then it like exploded and then it was the anime and all the licensing, like all the toys and everything like just flooded the market and it was like smash hit. Right. But it was like so, so close to never existing. Mm -hmm. And it was just the one guy's passion, right? Like Satoshi's yeah. passion saying, 
we can't, we want to make this. Like, I want to make this game. This is my magnum opus. This is what I have to create. And it's just like, it's such an inspiring story. Like, I was just yeah. watching it last night and going like, man, what a great story. Now, what year was that in North uh, America? What, 98. Because 98. Because, yeah, I was, I, was trying, I was trying to place it in my timeline because I was thinking, like, when this came out, I was no longer a kid either. I was actually... Yeah, a, we like, talked about this a long yeah, time ago. Because 98, yeah. I, I graduated high school in 97, and yeah. I remember this coming out first in year university, university. First year university. And, and like being going to kindergarten. Yeah, going to well, kindergarten. no, I, was, I remember playing it in the portables in elementary. Oh, and you're exactly. playing in the portables yeah. in elementary, and I'm, like, in university, they have these little, like, uh, study cubes that are, like, little isolation yeah, 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 walls. Yeah. And I would just grab one of those little isolation wall just study cubes Pokemon and play Pokemon. Yeah, all day. Like, yeah. if I didn't have classes, I was just playing Pokemon. Playing Pokemon. Yeah, and I remember, enough. it's funny, because even though none of my friends had really even heard about it, that uh, they weren't big into it. Like, merchandise started coming out, and I started buying things. Yeah. I still have a lot of, like, this Pokemon merchandise. Oh, that's that great. Toys and, and... Thank God you never got rid of it, because it's also cool. Yeah. I mean, to this day, I still have that uh, Jigglypuff motion sensor thing hanging from yeah, my yeah, rearview mirror in my right. car, which was one of the first things I bought, too. And uh, so one, a couple other just cool uh, factoids. Can, is, can I, I just want oh, yeah, to ask yeah, real yeah. quick. Um, so the guy that created it, like this awesome so story yeah. you just told, is he still like the main guy attached to the series he, to this day? Yeah, he's still the main guy at Game Freak. Awesome. It's still his company and he's still, you know, sitting on top. Oh. So I just wondered because it was almost like he took a shot in the dark at like a passion project. And I almost wondered if he just wanted to try it and then maybe like pass it off to someone else. But he's still like the lead guy with Pokemon. Anything Pokemon is this guy now. I think so. I think so. I got, let me, let me double check. But. Except, you know, now he's like practically destitute because Pokemon makes no money at all as we well, all know. <laughs> I, I was going to say he probably had to sell the, the company and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, he's still, yeah, he's still there and like, you know, still, still influencing the Pokemon games like Sun and Moon just came out. Actually, one of the coolest things I saw online, uh, thank you, you just remember, I want to bring this up, is um, somebody on the pallet town on YouTube, like somebody, the pallet town theme was there. And the, the top comment was, um, Pokemon sun and moon comes out tomorrow. And I just wanted to go back to remember where it all started. Oh, and I was awesome. like, that's cool. And then the comment on the youth was like, that's deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So another couple fun factoids, um, Miyamoto actually, uh, obviously, big part of that story. He was the guy who suggested the multiple cartridges with different Pokemon to, um, Make to money. influence, <laughs> no, well, no, no, absolutely, but to but, influence trading, yeah, right. And, the, and whole, the whole, the whole initial idea, yeah. right? Because if if every cartridge had all of the Pokemon, theoretically, there'd be no reason to trade. So, as somebody that's never played Pokemon, never mm. gotten into it, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah, I love that idea. Well, so, it, so the red cart had some. The yellow like, yeah, cart had that, others. Well, yellow was a rehash. Yellow though. was okay. a rehash, but it was red and blue. Red and blue. Yeah. Or, yeah. or blue and, or it was red, red green. green and blue in Japan. Yeah. And what we got in North America was red and blue, which yeah. one had like, they had a lot of in common, but some were unique to only red and some were unique to only blue. So if you were smart, you got one color and your friend got a different color yeah. and you guys Correct. would trade. Yeah. Okay. And here's a great thing too. Here's a little story that I don't know if I've told before, but, uh, um, there was a one pocket monster who was not available in either version of the game. And that was Mew. Yep. And you could only get Mew through special events. And uh, it's funny that me and my wife, um, one of the very first things we did together was go to one of these tours because we were both into Pokemon very, very early in our relationship. And uh, we went to the Pokemon Stadium tour, which because Pokemon Stadium had come out in the N64 and you yep. could like transfer your Pokemon to that game so and cool. then battle them together. <laughs> and then you could actually go there and you could fight other trainers and win badges. And I still have my Boulder badge from, from that thing. Is it metal? 
It's no, well, okay. actually it is metal, but it's like uh, metal with like coated plastic. There's yeah, like an yeah, image yeah. and then it's coated in plastic. But uh, at that tour, they also had a station set up where you could trade for Mew. So it, and like that was great. It was so rare. I did. I, I actually ended up getting two Mews. Yeah. That's what you do. You <laughs> trade Rattatas and Pidgeys and yeah. whatever else was super common, but I ended up getting uh, two Mews from wow. that. So it was, I was super excited because like, you you still there have was that? no internet. Yeah, well, yeah, I still so, have so my. So you have a, a cart that at home that has Mew on it. Yes, I do. Is that worth money? Like, if not, probably, well, not that you not. want to get rid of it. <laughs> well, but okay. I mean, like, can somebody now buy that cart and get it, or is it the opportunity well, now lost forever? Well, that's the thing. If you bought Red right now, you there's no official way to get Mew. So that's the whole thing. So Mew, I actually read this. This I wasn't going to bring this one up, but now that we're into it. But, <laughs> um, so Mew actually like kind of almost started out as like an inside joke that there would be kind of like this hidden Pokemon and they put it in the code, but they never intended it to be in the game. But uh, basically what happened was as soon because of the game's like massive popularity, people started combing through the code and they were like, oh, there's an extra Pokemon in here. And they found a way to like hack the game to get Mew. So a lot of people have me included when I was a kid have corrupt games yeah. with Mew because when you did it, it like broke all the text in the game, but you could get Mew. Like trying so, to get missing number as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was like basically you would like you would trade for a, a different Pokemon and then in the middle of the trade cycle, you turned off like when it says don't turn off your console, you turn it off yeah. and turn it back on. And then that Pokemon becomes Mew. So you're replacing a slot on the cartridge with Mew or well, basically you're a new replacing one? a new, a different Pokemon with Mew. So oh, it was by, like, by glitching out the game, you basically okay. glitch the game to get Mew. Mm, so there was is, only a few like legit ways which to is get why him. I'm super proud of, the of fact having that it for I, real. I have yeah. a legit Mew for sure. And so, uh, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the whole story with me. I've never, I've never like, not, I have nothing against Pokemon, but that's probably the coolest thing I've ever <laughs> heard of a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Oh, go oh, ahead. Ne never mind. This is, this is, uh, this is just a decide, but it's also because like that tour was like the first Nintendo event that I ever attended as well. And oh, okay. it, it's just, it's funny. Is that your inspiration? Well, that's the thing. For it's fun, it's the funny team. to look back on that now because I ended up working uh, for Nintendo later on and, yeah. and I ended up working with people who worked that tour. Oh, like, wow. A, a good that's super cool. A good friend of mine, actually, uh, she wore the uh, Pikachu costume. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. hilarious. And then, so my last just uh, fun fact is, um, just because we're Canadian, I just picked this one out, uh, that in the Canadian French manual for Pokemon Blue specifically, uh, Pokemon is often misspelled as Pokemons, which is funny because that's how all of our parents said <laughs> yeah. it. Pokemon. Stop playing with those Pokemans. Pokemans. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Just a little fun Canadian fact there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's it for our picks for, uh, for this week. Uh, and then I guess it's time for me. What have you been playing? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Jordan always fills in for you. What have I been playing? So, um, I don't, I, I've just had a really busy month, so I don't really, I haven't been playing much new stuff, but, uh, I'm going to go back to one I've talked about before, uh, just because I played it recently and it was awesome. And that is overcooked because the, the, the month we ran that contest, the person didn't pick overcooked. So I'm going to put it back in the pot because <laughs> I honestly think it was one of the best games of last year. Well, it's and I've, super fun. I've played it since you've last talked about it. Oh, did you buy it? Well, no, but I mean, when the first time you talked about it, oh, I yeah. only heard it was good. That's right, right. But now I've played it at your house. Yeah. And I can back you up. This game is great. It's one of the best local multiplayers you'll ever find. Yeah, exactly. And I wanted to bring that up too, that we played it together. So, um, yeah, so I'm going to throw Overcooked Bath and Pot. Have you played it yet? No, I haven't. Oh, man. All right. Well, Aaron's going to get in. We're going to have another game night. We're going to play I'm gonna it. I'm going to enter the contest. Yeah, exactly. You can enter I'll, the contest. Well, it's like that... Um, 
I don't want to steal it. If you're no go still go, go go go, it, it's like that um, that aggressive like competitiveness you have with something like you know in the in the um, the like they call them the relationship ender type games. Like <laughs> you go back to like Chippendale Rescue Rangers yeah. where you throw your it, it has that yeah. sort of energy where you're you're competing. It's, it's yeah, the game where you hate because the people you're playing with. Yeah, well, yeah. that's what the Four best swords. part of it though is is that it's not it's so close to that, but it's not quite because you have to be competitive or you have to be it's cooperative. a cooperative game. Yeah, because right? yeah. yeah. you're literally tripping over each other to to do the job. Yeah, but if you communicate, and I mean like. Literally communicate. Literally communicate yeah. with the people you're sitting on the couch with. Yeah, you can do really good. My favorite is I watched a, a let's play of uh, my the kind of funny guys who are my favorite you know internet people. And uh, every time they would do the burger, they would call like all everything, all the extra stuff, so like the lettuce and to the tomato. They would call laser cutrimos, and so they're just screaming like into the mic, like I need laser cutrimos. Like it's, <laughs> it's so funny because you do have to talk. You have to be like, all right, somebody wash those dishes, and it's like being in a real kitchen. Yeah. I think normal said he was getting like flashbacks to like oh, yeah. when he worked in a kitchen because yeah. it was like oh my god like this is intense so well and it's um it's sort of like a top-down sort of a is it pixel-based i forget no it's not it's it, not pixel-based it, but it just it, reminded it's kinda, me of yeah, like it's sort of a top-down yeah, game yeah the style reminded me of like uh like early uh rpgs on super nintendo like yeah. like zelda and you know yeah that's silly because i haven't seen the game but i'm having flashbacks to a completely different game is that there was actually a hamburger building mini game in space quest 4 where you ha got a job and built hamburgers. To it's probably money. very similar. But <laughs> where you had to, and yeah, like it got faster and faster. And yeah. yeah. So that's where they got the idea. Space Quest 4. <laughs> maybe. And maybe they got it from Burger Time. <laughs> I was going to say Burger Time too, yeah. But, uh, but you're not just making burgers. Sometimes you're making soup. Sometimes you're making fish and chips. I don't know all the other oh, fun yeah, things you can make. That deep, fish and chips level is you're awful. Like, you're like trying to operate a deep fryer that's like <laughs> sliding on ice. And yeah. it's like <laughs> extremely dangerous. There's penguins running around. It's a good game. But uh, it's a great game. So I'm going to throw that one back in the pot just because I think it's so fantastic. And uh, pot. back in the, oh, there yeah. you go. Oh, a pun and I didn't even mean to do it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's it. And uh, yeah, so we'll roll into the contest. The way you win that game or Sonic Adventure 2 uh, that we talked about last time is hop on a Twitter and give us that retweet on any one of the three tweets Monday, when, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. Uh, and I just tested the Google Play functionality and it works great. So if you're on Android, feel free to subscribe there. Um, and uh, yeah, just pass us that retweet for an entry, for a bonus entry. Leave us a review on iTunes or a comment on SoundCloud. And like we always like to say, your, your odds are as good as one in one. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah, that's, that's how many retweets we get. But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I'm always looking for people who I know are listeners. So if you're a listener and you hash that retweet up there, it's, you got good odds. Uh, yeah, so that's it for this for this podcast, and we will catch you next week.